All American Gunslingers featuring Ubaldi Reports. Hey everybody, this is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one podcast that provides fact, not fiction on issues that impact in America, whether globally or domestically. I've got two of my co-hosts, Joe Bitts, a retired combat Marine from Iraq, and a a medically retired Marine is Ray Krause. We're going to be talking about these issues. And the two big topics is the economy and Trump. And first starting off with the economy with all the issues regarding the banks. And today the Federal Reserve just raised interest rates 0.25%. Yeah, every time they raise that interest rate, John, I get a little warm feeling in my chest. Because, How's that? Well, because I have a 2.25% interest rate on on my mortgage. Well, you do, but I mean... But <laughs> and, and, hold on, I got a 0% interest rate on my vehicle. So, they're getting as very little... The bank is getting very little, very little money from me. But for everybody else, it hurts me because interest on... I mean, interest on your credit card debt goes up. Everybody's having a hard time getting... Um, their mortgage, you know, not mortgage, um, interest rates on if you want to buy a home goes up, rent goes up. I mean, I was talking with someone this morning. I mean, everybody's facing these issues, whether it's rent, whether it's utilities, gas, mm-hmm. food, everything. And today the Federal Reserve raised interest rates at 0.25%. Now, there was speculation that in some circles the Federal Reserve wasn't going to raise interest rates because of what's going on with the banks. But at the same time, if they didn't raise interest rates, then that means inflation would have been entrenched into the economy. So they had to do something. The most they were going to do was 0.50. I didn't think they were going to do that, but they raised it uh, 0.25. But the economy is it. I mean, I was on my radio show this morning. Why can't they just rip off the Band-Aid? Why don't they get rip off the Band-Aid, toss it up to like 10%? And kind of let that well, kind of balance itself I think out. what they're trying to do, the Fed is trying to get a soft landing. And what the Fed did, or the Federal Reserve, they waited too long to raise interest rates. Because remember in 2021, the Federal Reserve Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, and Joe Biden kept saying, oh, this is transitory. This is just temporary. Mm-hmm. It'll be ended in the fall. And this is way before Putin decided to invade Ukraine it started to go up and up and up. And prior to the invasion of Ukraine, we were sitting at 7%. It went up to 9.1% in June. Mm -hmm. That's because energy skyrocketed. It slowly came down, but it's still elevated at 6%. So between, say, okay, so they just said that it's been the highest since 2007. Since 2007? You mean the inflation? Yeah. The inflation is the highest it's been in 40 years. I'm not saying inflation. I'm saying that the interest rate. The interest rate has been the highest since 2007. How high or what was the highest the interest rate was between 2007 and right now? Interest rates weren't that high between that period. Okay. The highest they were was going back when inflation was up 40 years ago. That was, I think the interest rates got up as high as 21%. Mm-hmm. But inflation got up to 13%. But the foot the Federal Reserve did is they tightened up the monetary supply, meaning they raised interest rates. But this coincided with President Reagan and his deregulation, putting a more pro-business approach to the economy. Yeah, we went through a severe recession, but when we came out of it in September of 1983, the, the, the economy created 1.3 million jobs. And then in 20, um, 1984, the so, GDP rose 7%. So there's a lot of... Um, okay, so back in 2008, 
you know, uh, once, you know, when Biden kind of like, or now uh, when Obama kind of took over and we had like the big crash in 2008, there was a lot of things that kind of mimicked that were going on now. So are we going to see that again? Well, we're going to have to see where they come out of the banks. The banks had the problems because, you know, they're too big to fail where they bailed out the banks. It seems like Janet Yellen doesn't want to do it, but indirectly they are. Mm -hmm. They're raising everybody's FDIC fees. So that means the banks are going to have to roll that over to something. So we'll have to see how this plays out. Now, there's a lot of differences, but there's a lot of similarities. And a lot of the um, issues back then was the collapse of Lehman Brothers, the collapse of Bear Stearns, and then you had the largest bank failure was Washington Mutual. So this all played in. Now, this didn't happen under Barack Obama's presidency. Yeah, it he took Bush. over. Yeah, but it basically was Democrats and Republicans were at fault. We can't blame one particular person. Ray, you got any? Uh, so Goatee23 said, how high is welfare compared to the past? Uh, crime as well. What has diversity in government done to us? Well, the first part when he says how high is welfare – there was a report in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was the Wall Street Journal last week, and they said that when the president says that the economy's doing really well, okay, when the economy does well, you would normally what happens is the welfare rolls start to diminish. Food stamp recipients start to diminish. What they're seeing now is the unemployment's dropping, but the welfare rolls and uh, food stamps um, uh, recipients are increasing. And a lot of it has to do with policies put in by the um, the Biden administration to keep more people on these public assistance. And that ca- that's, that's a contributing factor why we have this disparity in low, I mean, the, the labor participation rate is at the lowest level. We're still a full percentage point below, and a half below where we were in, uh, February of 2020. What was the other two parts? Uh, crime. Yeah, crime. Well, crime's been high since ever the administration took over. Correct. Coming out of 2020 because of all the riots. But yeah. if you look at all these major metropolitan cities like San Francisco, New York, Seattle, Portland, and the like, crime is out of control. But this coincided over the last couple of years when they put in very liberal and very lenient sentences like criminal justice reform out of New York, uh, Illinois, California said we're not going to prosecute anybody for shoplifting if you st- steal more than 900, um, more, it'd be after $950. So you can steal something. And they just do these snatch and grabs. And it's just a, sh- a lot of these communities like Walgreens. Uh, Walmart are just pulling out of these cities because we're losing too much money. And isn't like the it was those calling for like defunding of the police or maybe less punishment or less uh, when it comes to crime? Aren't they the ones feeling the effect now? Like when they're looking for more officers or more, they're kind of like, hey, where is it? You know, because I know Minnesota kind of. Uh, Correct. It started in Minnesota, but going back what to Ray said, I apologize to the, the call and not answering that third part. When it comes to the equity, that was the whole point. When after they did the George Floyd killing, they wanted to defund the police. Well, that had a detrimental effect on the people they claimed to help. Liberals and progressives claim to help the um, black and brown, you know, Hispanic minority communities, but the crime is hitting disproportionately on the 
the people they claim to help, mm-hmm. the black and brown communities. And this is what you're seeing all over the country. Now, the other aspect is with this defund the police movement, every law enforcement, major metropolitan law enforcement, is short, they're short-staffed. Now, I work at a law enforcement supply company where we outfit all the vehicles, their lighting, and their equipment. So I get to talk to federal, state, local law enforcement officials. Now, Florida isn't as bad, but they tell me that the morale in these areas are, is horrendous. San Francisco has a crime wave for the last couple of years, but they're 500 officers short. They just had major shoplifting at one of the malls and a major violence at one of their malls. And they want more police, but they can't get more police because why would you want to be a police officer in this climate where you looked at, no matter what you do, you looked at as racist. It's your fault. You're trying to impinge on these communities. And many of these black and brown communities want more law enforcement to help protect their communities. Yeah, I know somebody that uh, when she came to work for us, um, she was law enforcement, but mm-hmm. apparently where I work is a little bit more rougher than being a police being a police officer because she went like right back. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, this is what you're getting is I know a law enforcement official, and he said this, I think, two years ago. And what he said is 20, 30 years ago, if you saw a law enforcement speeding down the road, you just assumed he's going to a call. Nowadays, they say, oh, he must be going to just get to like donate or it's something derogatory. Now, granted, there are good police officers and there are bad police officers. I talked to a gentleman who's African-American today, and he said there are good police officers and there's bad police officers. But if you want to have crime-free cities, you need police on the street, but you also have to punish those who commit crime. Now, Alvin Bragg, the DA up in, um, I know we'll get to this topic a little bit, but he's now thinking about prosecuting Donald Trump for a a federal crime when he just deals with state issues. But look at his cities. He was going to indict a bodega operator for defending his life when he killed a person who was robbing him. Mm -hmm. So they were going to arrest him at the same time they let all these criminals go. Chicago's like that. They've just, unless it gets um, sustained at the Supreme Court in Illinois, they did another bail reform law. Police officers can't go chase somebody. You have to get permission before you go out. Well, they're even taking uh, the dogs. You can't put a dog, you can't sick a dog, or a police dog can't chase after a suspect. Exactly. So when you get this, criminals don't say, okay, they won't touch me if I just stay here. They just get emboldened to the next level. Is there ever going to be like a writing of the ship where like the economy kind of, I mean, how is the, okay, maybe on a factual side and your opinion, how does the economy look fact, you know? Factual, it's it's in a rough patch right now. Okay, now your opinion. This is, okay, the reason I say factual, yeah. the reason it's in a rough patch is you have high interest rates, you have high gas prices, energy prices, food prices. Every time I go to the store, I purposely go down the baby formula aisle. Mm-hmm. I want to see what the shelf's like. They're empty. There's, it may not be reported, but it's still empty. I went to a restaurant to get a hamburger with a friend of mine. Yep. I talked to the server. He said, we have no hamburger. We have none of this. We have none of that. And when I talked to her, she said she they had- They were like bro- almost had a chicken. Or no, yeah. the only thing that they did have is chicken, chicken because it's wing house. Yeah. <laughs> but the other point is, 
She told me her boyfriend broke up with her, so she had to go live with her girlfriend. She works at a tech company, but then she had to work at a second job, which is at this restaurant. Uh-huh. And she's nervous about crime. Now, Florida isn't as bad as other places, but we still have this issue where I talked to one police officer. He lives in a, an adjacent city outside of Tampa, and he said, I arrest people, and they still let them out. Mm-hmm. So where it's going to change on the economy is when people feel the pain so much that they say, I'm done with this. And we still haven't gone into the peak driving season, even though energy prices, or at least gas, has come down a little bit. What's going to happen when we start getting to peak driving season? Oh, yeah, the summer coming around? What's going to happen when, well, let's say, China opens up or other economies start to increase? What's that going to happen to production well, costs? We were driving uh, today, and Ray looks over, and he sees diesel for three ninety nine. He goes, oh, my God, diesel's three ninety nine. I'm like, is that good or is that bad? Because, <laughs> <laughs> But, see, it's come down now. When, it, when the economy goes into recession— Demand goes down. When the economy starts to boom, the people demand for energy goes up. And there was an energy or utility think tank that said that there's more natural gas plants coming offline than being replaced by alternative fuel, means wind and solar. Mm-hmm. Now, but the, and the point that he's saying is almost all your utility companies use natural gas to fund their to generate energy for the utility companies and that goes out to the consumers and the business climate so if they're not producing enough from natural gas they have to get it from wind and solar which is not a stable like you capture like take solar you capture most of the energy from solar during the day like from two to four but the peak usage of solar is from four to nine so we live in florida do you run your ac all night yeah Okay, because well, it because it's hot. Yeah, you need to. So if you're using your energy at night, you're not capturing energy from the sun at night, and then you got to go by wind. And then if you look at some of these like solar and wind panels, those that can't be recycled. So you got those in. I just saw a report yesterday that if you get in an accident in an electric vehicle, and it damages the battery pack. Maybe a minor damage, you have to replace the whole car. Or a Tesla? Yeah, a Tesla or any electric vehicle. So mm. think about it. Your car is costing $55,000. Any minor damage, the whole car has got to be replaced. Think of what your premiums are going to be. I do want to touch on something. It's kind of like a little bit of a sidebar, but Dodge just came out with a new uh Challenger. Yeah, I saw that the last one that came off. The t- well, like this is the last one that's coming off the line because you know a Dodge was they were like we're not making these anymore because we're going green, and they <laughs> they they produce a car that will completely negate their entire fleet of electric vehicles with 3,300 of these. You know but what see it's the running th- on E85. Yeah, yeah, it's running on alcohol. <laughs> but see the I think it has a parachute. It has a parachute. Yeah, factory parachute. It has a factory parachute for it. That's but see, the problem is with going to all this electric. We're getting two. <laughs> you're going. You're going all electric. You got to have the infrastructure to support that. Now, okay, yeah. Joe, you live in a house. Yeah. You can probably configure your house so you can plug in your vehicle. Mm-hmm. But you also park your vehicle outside while your wife parks her vehicle inside the garage. Yeah. I live in an apartment. I have an older apartment complex that I live in. Mm-hmm. I park my truck out on the street. 
So if they have to refurbish the apartment complex, that means there's only so many spots. You're limited. You have, like, I think six in the front, six in the back. So they have to put charging stations there. What about those who can't park there? Where are they going to park on the street? How does that work? Well, okay, and you say charging stations, but what also people aren't understanding is that you still have to pay for the electricity going into your vehicle. And a lot of the times it's up to or the equivalent of filling up a tank of gas. Or here's another option, the charging stations. I just found this out talking with another gentleman. Get to talk to a lot of people when they come into the store. So I was talking when I confirmed this is it depends what charging station you charge your vehicle into. Mm-hmm. If it's a like a level three or higher, it goes fairly quick. Let's say maybe 15, 20 minutes. But if it's below a level three, it may take a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. So if you take your vehicle and you want to travel, let's say to Tallahassee, or let's say I want to go to Washington, D.C., you have to meticulously plan your trip to get to the charging station so you'll be able to charge your vehicle. So we want to do this in 10 years. And now Joe Biden, uh, President Biden said during the State of the Union address, he says, oh, we, need, we need fossil fuel at least for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So if you are an energy company, and this is where the bank crisis comes in, because now they got to con- contract to hold on to their, the, the money they have in their bank. So they're not going to be relatively available to loan um, to these fossil fuel industries because this people whole, this just seems by design there, wasn't speaking of oil wasn't there a whole deal up in alaska where they're going to build a pipeline they were going to they're going to still is do that, that they're still doing that the reason that, is that's so environmentally but dude, the yeah. reason Cancel is that the keystone but let's do alaska. you got to look at the it's just like when president biden canceled Ain't the the crime bill in washington dc because he's gearing up for election so this would look bad, but this still is going to take time to get there. Now, when people look at the fossil fuel industry, they automatically assume Exxon, Mobil, Chevron, the big guys. Most of your fossil fuel companies that drill for this stuff are just mom and pop. And then you have Joe Biden when he just vetoed a bill. When I was going to talk to you about that. When it comes to your, um, like any savings or investments that you have to factor in, Climate change, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, because they don't want you to ESG. invest, they don't want you to invest in fossil fuel or anything that they deem harmful to the environment. But you get more returns on this, so you have to factor in all this, and you get less of a return. So it they're seems, pl- they're politicizing retirement accounts. It seems like they attack the elite, but what they're doing is really setting setting up. Or setting setting the lead up for like a better because they have money, they don't need credit, they don't need to take loans or stuff like that. They have endless amount of money and they can do whatever the hell they want. Well, they can, but you look at it. The elites live a lifestyle; they're immune from the their ideology. Like John Kerry, the climate czar for the president, he flies away on his his private jets, lives in these mansions. He's not a, he's not um, feeling the effects of his um, his policies. Like you got Mark Zuckerberg, they're all about open borders, except they have borders around their home. Yeah. They're all for uh, public schools for your children, but my children get to, your children get to go to. I mean, excuse me. They want your kids to go to private public school, but your kids go to private school. 
or their kids get to go to private school. I'm sorry. So it's just. So it just it just seems like they have this different. They got, they're immune from everything they're trying to tell you to do, and we see how our schools are performing. But you can't get out. You got to you're stuck going to these failing public schools. Let's try stomp John. Go ahead, Ray. All right. So Jim Mace too said more oil companies went bankrupt under Trump than any other president ever. Um, I would have to look at that. If he can tell me where he got that fact, so I can go back and look, I would have to look at that. I mean, because there's two periods. You have the prior to the pandemic where once the pandemic hit, a lot of companies just crashed during that period because everything shut down. So I don't know if it was possible if we were filling up our reserves. with. Well, they they wanted to. But during the pandemic, when they picked the, the COVID relief, Chuck Schumer pulled it away from. This is when oil was going at $24 a barrel. So then I could just turn it back on him. No. Is that under a, a Democratic Congress, more oil companies would well, No, but I think, he's, I think he's <laughs> referring when oil dropped, I think, down to 18 barrels of dollars a barrel, it affected a lot of energy companies. A lot of them did go. Um, but that wasn't his doing, was that it? Was a, that was just a, a freak because of the pandemic. So I don't know what period, if it was before February 2012, I'd be like to know. And if he could tell me where he got that information, I would like to see it. And then I can make an, an analogy well, he, from that. He, he, he kind of chimed in. He said how uh, low oil prices equal bad for oil companies. So Yeah, because yeah. when it goes oil, real oil, low, yeah, it helps them because then they're not going to – it's not conducive to yeah, invest. I think but, oil prices yeah. have to be around 36 to – Forty-five dollars a barrel for them to do do but all right. Donald Trump didn't make a moratorium for all the oil no, companies no. to sell their oil at eighteen dollars a barrel. So. Well, because what he wanted to do when they did the first, like I said, when he did the first COVID relief package, he wanted to buy it and fill up the strategic petroleum reserve to max capacity because it's better to buy it at twenty-four dollars a barrel. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden said once it drops below seventy dollars a barrel, then we'll start to refill. So it doesn't make sense to do it at $70 a barrel. You better to do it at $24 a barrel. Yeah, and that could have sell, helped some of the energy companies. But Chuck Schumer said he didn't want to give it to big oil. So um, speaking, speaking of our uh, grateful leader, Trump. Oh, yeah. Um, so what do you think is going to be – Because. Tuesday came down to the pipe that he was going to get arrested. Then they're like, eh, well, we'll, we'll hold it off till Wednesday. Nothing happened today. Uh, so where does it stand? Because the way I, I see it, they're not, they're, they're kind of, they're going to come up with something else and say, okay, we have to drop this because the witness wasn't too credible or. Okay. Something. But right now this is a, just so our listeners. I mean, I'll make it on a quick wrap up on this was a payment that was made by Trump or campaign to Stormy Daniels to make the situation go away. I've listened to constitutional scholars on both sides, and a lot of them said this is a very thin at best, very, very thin, because when they said, well, he used campaign contributions, well, most, he- but most people would, I don't know if he did it or not, but most people would want something like that to go away. Now, they used... The John Edwards case, where they went after John Edwards for doing exactly pretty much the same thing. He was the vice presidential candidate for John Kerry in uh, 2004. 
and the federal government lost mm-hmm. because it was a, such a hard bar to accuse that they're going to do this. So the DOJ, under Merrick Garland, which is the attorney general for um, uh, Joe Biden, refused to take make move forward on this. The FEC refused to move forward on it. Now, if they're using this case, um, people who believe that Trump is guilty need to look at Hillary Clinton because she did the same thing. She paid out of campaign contributions a million dollars for the dossier, which we know was a false document, and she went to the FBI. Her people went to the FBI because we the reason we know that her campaign manager was under oath during the Kevin Kleinsmith um, trial that um, they went to the FBI to push this, mm-hmm. but she wasn't charged on either case. So on this case, Alvin Bragg is taking something that's a federal issue and turn it and, and trying to get it to that level. And Alvin Bragg, even the D, the DA prior to him, refused to do it. He refused to do it until two prosecutors from his office. One of them wrote a book about the case, why we should go after Trump and everything, which many constitutional scholars said is that is not, it's kind of unsavory to do that when the person hasn't been indicted, convicted, or arrested for anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think what's going on now, and we've seen um, there's various sources or that there's a turmoil in the DA's office. I, mean, I think there's people like, hey, this isn't the hill to die on. And I think Democrats are going to Alvin Bragg, and I don't have proof of this. I just think they're going to him. Hey, buddy, this isn't the hill to die on. Because yeah. if you, because think about this. Last point: you indict a former president. Never's happened in U.S. history. Yeah. Over something like this that no one's ever been charged with at this level. Okay. Like, you are opening that Pandora's box. Because remember, the the pendulum could swing the other way. Well, there's a lot more uh, to it as well because you're emboldening Trump, I would think, because oh, yeah. you know you're emboldening his base. But then you also, you know, those independent voters they see how the government is coming after anybody and everybody, and they will vote for him just so that this doesn't happen again. But we're also seeing that say they do arrest him and say they give him the handcuff him, they give him the perp, perp walk, fingerprints, set him down. He walks out the other side because he already had bail or whatever, and and off we go. And they get it dismissed or they you know prove innocent in the court of law. It just makes what they did more of a witch hunt than anything because they had zero to stand on. They could have get dismissed because. It's a misdemeanor. They could get dismissed because it's past the statute of limitations. So there's a lot of uh, factors involved here. But what you're doing is that just because you want to make a show or display of power, it's just going to blow up in their face. Well, it is, especially if you have the other cases when it comes to the Mar-a-Lago raid, the classified material issues. And this plays into Donald Trump's hands saying, look how politicized this is. Nobody else is held accountable. Like the Clintons weren't held. John Edwards why Donald Trump? Because they have a D in front of their name. And if Alvin Bragg is trying to make a point, now he may play to his base. The progressives may love this. We're getting Donald Trump. But like I said, this one has an embarrassment to around the world that we can go after our political enemies and arrest them. That's like Russia and China does that. Mm-hmm. But then the second part is once you go down this road and you open that box, 
by arresting a president. And like you said, they're going to have him fingerprinted. And that picture of him in, in, in an orange jumpsuit or mugshot is going to go viral. And people are going to love it. But there's also, it's a very disturbing thing. And I, I hope the Democrats, you may not like Donald Trump, but remember this. If they can do that to Donald Trump, remember, they can do it to you. It's like I told you earlier. If the IRS is going to audit anybody, if you're doing your taxes by yourself, who do you think they're going to go after? Somebody who has an accountant or somebody that has doing it by themselves? Well, speaking of which, I got and what would you do? But what would you do if, like Joe, what would you do if the IRS says, "Hey, I looked at your taxes. You owe two thousand um, dollars." Well, I kind of go the accountant route, so I'm like, "You're going to have to talk to my accountant about that." But what about somebody who? Who oh, doesn't yeah. have an account? TurboTax? Yeah, definitely. They're going to yeah. say, you owe $2,000. You don't have the means. You don't have the money. You don't have the lawyers or accountants to help you out. You're on your own. So the way I don't like, especially, and it's been going on for a few years now, I don't think it was so much during when Trump and Hillary were going at it, but now it seems like there is a divorce kind of going on right now divorce in what way like a divorce of like not say say the country but like it's the democrats and it's the republicans that are going through like this messy divorce and us as americans we're kind of like in the middle of it and they're kind of you know they're kind of playing and toying around with us trying to manipulate us to be like correct hey you want to go live with mom or or no dad's better kind of thing like that and this it's got to stop because this is kind of like the situation we're in because like you said earlier if republicans take over in 2024 it's the same thing that we're going through right now except it, except, except there's an r versus a d well there's also a, another big part of this is the media we've seen with the the, the release of the twitter files and we're seeing how the, 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 the federal government, the FBI, had 80 agents assigned to Twitter. And then they work with the tech companies and they work with the media to suppress stories that they didn't like. Now, if the media did its job, look at all the things that we could, I mean, not scan it, but look at all the things with um, Joe Biden. Or even take Hunter Biden's this Hunter Biden laptop story. How would the story have been different if that was Don Jr. or Jared Kushner? Mm -hmm. Do you think the media would not have covered the story of if Don Jr. had a, a laptop like this? Or if Don Jr. That. flipped the switch of the character of Don uh, Hunter Biden, and let's take Don Jr. Don Jr. got kicked out of the Navy for cocaine use. Yeah. He, um, was he was a drug addict. He was an alcohol user. He had an affair, fathered a child then goes to a court in Arkansas to have that child not take his name. He's involved in shady business dealings in Ukraine, Russia, China. And do you really think he nobody would cover this? This would have been this would be top top news. All right, so we we haven't heard from Beach Baby yet, but we're going to hear from her now. Oh, good job, Beach Baby. I like your consistency. I think it's more of a statement, but okay. it's saying missing when people could talk and agree to disagree, regardless of political party. Yeah, that no, is something we are missing. She's one hundred percent correct. A lot of constitutional scholars, including the one I follow a lot, is Jonathan Turley, said, "Look what's going. Look what happened in Stanford. You had a federal judge who was." asked to speak at the Federalist Society. This is at a law school. Mm -hmm. 
you had the dean of equity, inclusion, and diversity chastise this um, federal judge. You may disagree with somebody, but you should be able to debate the ideas and maybe you learn something or maybe you strengthen your argument or maybe you can counter their his argument, but you shouted him down and the dean was all over. Then the response by the university was, oh, if you have any problems, just go to this dean who shouted down this individual. We're seeing this across the country. If you disagree with somebody, we got to ruin them. And But when you have the federal government, lawmakers, and Joe, President Biden, and this isn't me saying this. This is Jonathan Turley, the constitutional scholar. He has stated that President Biden is the the most anti-free speech president since John Adams. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, this is over well over 250 years. But look what we're doing. You have Democrats like Elizabeth Warren. You have um, Sen- I mean, Senator uh, Blumenthal of, um, I think, Delaware. And then you have uh, Connecticut. You have Senator Whitehouse all wanting to curtail free speech. You had... Um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the Democratic congressman from Florida, saying when they brought witnesses up, oh, you got to just take it with a grain of salt. These are Republican witnesses. Like, we can only believe Democratic witnesses. Mm -hmm. So when you see this, this is dangerous for a free democracy or our republic. This is not something that I swore 30 years to support and defend. So I agree with Beach Baby. We're in a different world, and we better get used to it. And we better fight against it because we're going to lose this country fast. So, John, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do so? They can get a hold of us by going to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. Check us out on all our streaming sites that the podcast is on. You can go to our social media. That's obviously TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the like. And keep letting us know. Our goal is to do this. Um, five days a week because there's a lot of issues to contain in just 30 minutes or 35 minutes. And then eventually we're in the process of trying to get very prominent speakers on foreign policy, the economy, so we can ask questions. And then you can be able to ask questions of these individuals. So, and before we end the show, just let everybody know that we will be continuing the conversation on TikTok. But uh, you can hear Ray and I on All American Gunslingers. We do it Friday at about 730 uh, where we talk about guns and stuff like that. So uh, you can guys go ahead and listen, and we will talk to you then. All right. Till next time, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports. We report every Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time. So keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.